0: Welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors. If you want to check out my company, check out teamrhinooutdoors.com. Again, we have two co-hosts, Brad and Kerry Hoppy, and the company that they run is Musky Mayhem Tackle. And if you want to check out Musky Mayhem Tackle, you can visit their website, which is muskymayhemtackle.com. And tonight, today, we have John Betty with Stealth Tackle. I tease John all the time that this is like the Stealth Tackle podcast, and well, for this episode, it's going to be the Stealth Tackle Podcast. John, how are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. For people that don't know, you can check out John's website, which is, John? net. Or you could also find his products at Team Rhino Outdoors. And I believe you can find some stuff at Muskie Mayhem Tackle also. Is that correct, Carrie? Yeah.
1: yep. Yeah.
0: So, post expo hangover today. Today is Monday. We just got home from the Wisconsin Muskie Expo. John just got home from the Muskie Max in Pennsylvania. So John, why don't you talk a little bit about the show this weekend? How was it?
2: It was uh, very good as usual. Uh, Sean does a really good job of getting the people through the door. It's a two-day show, which for us as vendors, it's kind of nice. Not having a a long, drawn-out three-day event. He gets a really good crowd in the door right off the bat. On Saturday, he gets a lot of custom guys out there that really don't do a lot of shows. So you get a lot of people lining up right away to, to get in there and, and get a shot at getting some of the custom baits, which don't ask me what they are because I'm not one of the custom bait gurus out there. So uh, I really couldn't tell you that, but a real strong show for better part of Saturday. And then Sunday, it's a two-day show, Saturday, Sunday, and uh, he does a really good job with it. It's a good time. And, and a lot of different people that we don't get a chance to expose our products to. Here in the Midwest, and we do a lot of the shows. You guys see it. You know, we do Illinois, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. A lot of times you see a lot of the same faces. where are out there. It's just a totally different crowd, and, and a lot of people come a long way to come to the show, which is kind of cool to see as well.
3: It's kind of a neat deal to be able to have a show out east like that anyway, John. You know, those guys kind of get forgotten about sometimes. I think a lot of times everybody thinks muskies are just here in the Midwest, but that east side of the, the U.S. has definitely got some musky fishermen.
2: Yeah, it does. I think it's more spread out. Jeff and I have talked about that before, too. I think, it's, I think there's a lot of people out there, but they're just so spread out. It's really impressive seeing when you hear how far away people are coming to come to a muskie show just so that they could get their hands on some baits. Not that they can't, you know, access these baits through the internet throughout the year, but, you know, everybody wants to, to, to get out there, see it, put their hands on it. It's really kind of a cool thing. That's For sure. It's a long so, drive, but it's been worth it. I think
3: uh, Carrie and I are probably recognizing that as well, and we're probably going to try to work some kind of deal out with you, John. I know you've always represented our product at that show. We truly appreciate that. You know, it's getting to that point where maybe we need to jump on a plane or whatever and meet you out there.
2: Yep, for sure. Definitely. I think a lot of people out there would would enjoy seeing you guys out there. You know, we had a a few comments of people that know your product that were wondering if you guys were there. That also the flip side is there's some people that Art as well, they're familiar with your brand name, but then I've had a couple people comment that, oh, these are just like cowgirls. And that, you know, we explained to them basically, well, they are cowgirls. They set them to us to bring out there so you guys could have an opportunity to see them. Uh, yeah, I think it definitely would, would help a lot. And people really appreciate it out there that, you know, we get a lot of comments from people that, you know, come up and find out where we're from and thank us for coming all the way out there so that they could see our products.
3: So it's pretty cool.
0: That's
3: awesome. Well, on the flip side, Jeff also was at a show this weekend. Why don't you talk about that? Jeff?
0: Yeah, I was lucky enough to be at the Wisconsin Muskie Expo all weekend. And first off, we just want to thank everybody that came out and talked to us, heard a lot of good comments again about the podcast. So I know guys are listening, which is really cool. I even had, you know, a couple ladies tell me that they were listening, which I thought was really awesome too. They must just listen for Carrie because I know Brad and I aren't that great anyways. We actually sold some Backlash podcast hoodies and, and uh, T-shirts there at the show, which was good. We appreciate You know, that's really the only way that we make any money off the podcast directly. Indirectly, there's obviously, you know, we hope that people like us and maybe want to shop with us. But we don't make any money off the podcast. So I make a couple dollars on a hoodie. That's nice. There's no way to
1: get them on Do you still have them online?
0: I believe so if
1: somebody, if somebody wanted them cuz I don't have them on my website right now because I'm, you've been taking my inventory to show. So I was gonna
0: say I don't honestly know if I even have any online right now because we did the same thing. We took them to shows. I know they'll be going up here shortly cuz I think you guys have some inventory I believe, right? Yep,
1: yeah, we have we have a little bit here. Um, but I don't have it online because it's all packed up for show. So I was just wondering if somebody if somebody wants one right now, there's no way
0: to get one. I'm thinking shortly they're going to be able to get them back online because at the Minnesota show we have, I uh, would say less booth space, but we have less booth space than what we've had in like that the last show. Because for the Wisconsin show we had 50 feet. That's our biggest booth that we've ever had. Surprisingly, we added 10 feet from Milwaukee to that show, and I don't know I don't know what happened because it seemed just as tight as it ever does. And we didn't really bring that much more stuff. And so I don't understand what happened exactly. So for the Minnesota show, I'm going to make sure you guys have the sizes that you need for the backlash podcast. And then Uh we're going to put the rest of our stuff online because I don't know that I'm going to have room for everything for that show because it's just a little bit tighter. And I want to add a few things, you know, the Minnesota guys, they, they like bigger baits and things like that. So we need to try to flip our inventory around here in the next three weeks. Not not that we're going to get rid of all the small stuff, but we want to just add a little bit more variety, stuff that we haven't had at the shows for the rest of show season so far. Well, so then backtracking to the show, like I thought that we had a really good crowd on Friday, which never surprises me. That's always one of those shows that's really strange because I think the crowd to line up at the door is always the biggest out of every show that we go to, even Chicago and Milwaukee, you know, right, at, right out the the gates it's just the people in in northern Wisconsin just get really excited about that show and I sometimes wonder if that maybe be maybe is the only show that they attend throughout the course of the year and then the same thing happens on Saturday the weather was really nice on Sunday which was yesterday it was like 55 and sunny and I think it kept people away from the show a little bit but the ones that showed up they were eager to spend money with us and we ended up having a really good show overall and like you know like I was saying earlier just it's Really awesome to see. Like That's kind of when, to tell a little bit of a story, Like when we walked away from the Wisconsin Expo, it was like five or six years ago. I can't remember what it was. I remember driving out of the parking lot and thinking to myself, like, God darn, what did I just do? I think I just created another job for myself. And at the time, <laughs> electrically, I was super busy already. I, the last thing I really needed was another job. And it was at that point, like I said, walking coming out of the Wisconsin show, I knew at that point, that I thought this was going to work. And so that's kind of always like that show has been kind of special to us that way. And so, you know, our presence at that show continues to grow and the people come out and support us. I saw tons of TRO shirts and hats and hoodies and all that this weekend, and we sold a pile more. So I would anticipate we're going to see a bunch more. And for that, we just want to thank everybody. And like I said, I just, it's a surprising how many people listen to the podcast and thank us for putting it out. And I also heard that they want more episodes, Brad. So we're going to have to get back to work and put more episodes out somehow. I hear
3: you, Jeff. But, you know, during this time of the year, it, <laughs> you're you're at a show. Fortunately, we were at home this weekend. But <laughs> um, it's important to go to those shows, and, and that time kind of gets jammed up a little bit there, Jeff. So once we get through some of this, I think we can probably do a couple a week, you know, at different times anyway.
0: Yeah, I would say then like April into early part of May, hopefully we can do a little bit more with them. Because, you know, last week, the reason these episodes right off to the Expos are a little tougher for us is because the week before the Expo, I really don't have much time. I spent all of the week up until Thursday morning when we left getting ready to go to that show. I mean, a lot of times with the, with short turnarounds between from show to show, a lot of our product that we're going to take to the show doesn't show up until sometimes You know two three days before the show sometimes even the day of the show heck at this show we had some t-shirts that we've done in the past it's got the state of wisconsin and then inside the state of wisconsin we have our logo on it we actually had to have them shipped right to the hotel because they weren't going to make it in time otherwise and we wanted to have them at that show seeing as though we were going to be in northern wisconsin and then you know it it makes sense that's why these week after show episodes can be i guess if i was going to call them weaker that's probably a, the way to describe them
3: yeah well i mean weaker but maybe maybe not we've got john on with us this time so we're gonna bring out a couple different things today on some leader functions and uh choices
0: i'm sorry did you say john's gonna save the show this week uh, I <laughs> so you're in tru- you guys are in trouble then <laughs> ah, <laughs>
3: come on John.
0: i'd <laughs> be like asking you or me to save the show every week brad that's not gonna happen <laughs>
3: No, that's what we got Carrie
0: for. Exactly. If we need the, if we need a showstopper or a saver, that's what we bring Carrie in.
3: Wow.
0: Yeah. Carrie, you know I hadn't talked to you in like a week and a half. I really missed you. I mean, I really did.
1: I find that hard to believe.
0: It's true. I did.
1: What do you? What do you need,
0: then? <laughs> I don't know. Rab- he needs an
3: order to ship. Yeah, as I
0: said, I need some rabbit squirrels. <laughs>
1: yeah um i did to i did get your order and i have it it's I'll, it's in brad's hands now i'm done with it Oh, well, great
0: it's never gonna get done <laughs> I, I will say i will say one thing about you know
2: Pennsylvania, uh, and there were a lot of people very happy to see the uh the rabbit squirrels and and also made comments on how much they liked the rabbit girls so there were a lot of people that were glad to see that those are make it a resurgence again. So I can imagine you guys are doing pretty good with those right now.
3: Yeah. It kind of, you know, dwindled there for, I don't even know exactly how long Billy didn't do anything with it. Three years.
1: I'm not really
3: sure. You know, those guys that are out there and they're, they're getting munched, you know, the fish are beating them up and maybe they're not even functioning anymore. Hey, they're back. So now people can get them in their hands again. So I think it's important to, Definitely a bait yeah. that works, and it's kind of a little bit different presentation than what, you know, Carrie and I are known for with Muska Man Tackle, but it fits into our wheelhouse really well, and we're super proud to be uh, producing them.
2: Yeah, there, yeah, we had more than a few people that you could see their eyebrows kind of raised when we, we had them back there, and we were very happy to see them. And I think that ties into a lot of what the way people are fishing out there and a lot of that Skinny water or small rivers. I think they they really like those small bucktails.
0: I also think we made a mistake by not having them available at the Wisconsin show. I should have asked you sooner and took a few there because there was people that wanted them.
3: Which one, the rabbit squirrel or rabid, the rabbit
0: rabid girls? I had rabbit okay. squirrels. Those sold actually really well there at that show, which didn't surprise that would,
3: me. That would have been a good move, actually, Jeff. I, you know, honestly. We weren't really thinking but we came home from milwaukee we were pretty much beat up and so john was able to get a few but i think i sent him everything that we had rabbit girl wise i think we only came home with 14 of them so we sent him in the double bladed version anyway i think we had 14 left
0: that's all right. i, I don't understand f- brad or john's more important anyways no big deal hey all jeff all right. if you want to if you want to buy some I, I i think i know where you can get some right now Yeah, <laughs> muskymayhemtackle.com
2: well, there, and, and I have some in the shop left over. We could work out a deal.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> might have
2: to. Uh, might have
3: yeah. to. Did they sell good out there in PA as well, John?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think the. I, it was a little bit of everything. I think the right there with the squirrels, though, too, because I think people identified to the squirrels, you know, from not being able to have them for so long, and now they were back. I think the squirrels probably outsold them still, but only because people were more familiar with them and, and uh, wanted to grab them all they could.
3: So I find it really interesting. You know, We go to Chicago show, and we come out with the new rabid girl. And honestly, I mean, we sold some there, don't get me wrong, but the hair was num- the number one choice, and I'm kind of hearing that from you too as well, John. Now when we go to Milwaukee show, I would say the Rabbit Girl probably outperformed. It it might have been 50/50. It's kind of a hard one to guess on, but they definitely sold well there. And I think here in Minnesota, the Rabbit Girl is probably gonna it's probably gonna sell really well here as well. You know, the the Flash thing it's new. We didn't get a ton of exposure out there. We did do a couple little social media videos and such, but you know we really didn't promote it that well before the show season. So it's it's brand new and. Once people start throwing it, I know it's just going to explode.
0: Well, unless I barter with John, apparently I'm not going to get any, so I'm not going to be throwing it.
1: <laughs> wow. You can come see me at the Minnesota show.
0: I, I might just have to do that. Yeah, I might have to come to that show.
3: You, you know what's funny, Jeff? I'm starting to feel like Andy Zees at this point. You, you and Mark Stock always give him so much grief about never getting any of his pay. <laughs> Um, no I know what Andy feels like. <laughs> it's not so fun, is it?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, does Mark, does Mark give you a hard time about this?
3: Uh, Mark was, uh, actually the first one to catch a fish on one. So he can't say too much.
0: All right. So he already has some. See, I know where I rank. It's fine. I get it. <laughs> well,
1: at least he had access to the ones that Brad had in Brad's boat. How about
0: that? Okay, fine. It's all right. I can handle it. I'm a big boy.
3: Yeah, well, book a trip with me. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs>
0: we'll, we'll talk in Minnesota. <laughs> oh,
3: well, that sounds good. Let's, uh, I think we're probably at that point. Let's talk about some leaders, John.
0: Sounds good. So, John, guys in the South, they're lucky enough where they're probably right now in this good spring bite, really getting things rolling. So I think we wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of like leader applications for the baits they're using there. Some of the guys in Wisconsin and Minnesota, Illinois, they'll be able to apply this stuff. Illinois guys, South Southern Illinois, they're probably fishing already too. But and the northern guys probably aren't going to be too far along with the weather that we've been having. But um, we can uh, we can talk about that. I think we're going to probably try to get you on one more time in April to kind of get the we'll give you we'll give the Wisconsin, Illinois, and Minnesota guys a refresher course before they start getting after it. Cause honestly, I mean, we're only, it's once the Minnesota shows in three weeks. And then after that, we're only another, another month or so to, to get to the, uh, you know, the actual Southern opener season in Wisconsin. So it's not going to be too far Mm -hmm. off before we're full swing into muskie season. Usually at this time we're, you know, the Minnesota show is over and we're unloading from it today and we're, we're rolling into season already. So, you know, as far as sales and all that go, but. We got a little right. little bit more time to get to Minnesota, but for the for the meantime, let's talk. Uh, you know, rattle traps and rattle baits. Obviously, there's a few different options that are available out there. What are guys using yep. for leaders for that stuff, John?
2: Really, with the uh, with the rattle baits, uh, a lot of guys are one of our most popular leaders is the uh, sprig leader, which is basically a short wire leader. Nothing really fancy, but with those rattle baits, it's really important to get the full action out of those lures. And with them being so small, if you use a standard 12 or 14 inch, you know, heavy wire or heavy fluorocarbon musky leader, uh, you're going to kill the action of those lures. So it's it's really important to go with something that basically doesn't interfere with the performance of the bait. So just a short wire leader with eliminating as much of the hardware as you can it's it's a it's a straight pulley bait so there's not a lot of line twist with it so you can eliminate your swivel direct tie to the loop of the wire and then on the other end is just a solid ring we eliminate the snap because the bulkiness of the of the snaps could also affect the action of those lures And then you just got to make sure you have a split ring on there so that you could split ring right to the solid ring, which kind of confuses a lot of people when they see it at first, but basically you're just connecting the lure by split ring right to that solid ring. And now you've basically eliminated a, a lot of things that, that, uh, can weight that down or have resistance that affects the action of the lure. So uh, that those are really really popular down in the cave and southern Illinois you know Kincaid and that especially very early in the season when the water is really cold and that also works as a a really good versatile leader for a lot of the other smaller baits because it's basically a lightweight or or, or basically weightless leader so a lot of these small fiddicky lures that fall into that category it's a good leader to use for not just the rattle baits but a lot of that little small stuff uh, where where those big bulky leaders could could cage the action of them.
0: And when you say spring leader I'm assuming you're talking the ST174S correct John Correct yes that's it And yep. we, if guys want to either check out your website or my website or wherever they prefer yep. to order tackle from that's the that's the leader they're looking for is the That's S- the one S- they're looking for yep. ST174S Correct
3: yep um, and what size uh, split ring are they using on some of those small rattle baits? That's a number five. Number five. Okay. Yeah. I, I was just curious. I know if you use like a six or a seven, you're probably going to start taking away from some of the action as well, just based on weight and size. Right. Yeah. Because then you're going back to the the size of almost the diameter of a
2: of the bottom of a snap. So you know, we we run the number five, and the ones we sell are the the heavy-duty stainless steel, so there's still a as strong of a of a split ring as you're going to find out there. Some guys like to triple split rings, you know. Um, I don't I don't use those very much. I stick with the heavy-duty stainless steel ones. Makes sense.
0: Well, John, the reason we're going through some of this stuff for people I don't know is like back when I first started musky fishing, is I used to use mostly one liter for everything and. You know, as you've you've probably written articles about it in Muskie Hunter, and I'm sure you've talked. To, I know from hearing about you talk about your seminars a little bit. I've never sat in on one yet. You know, people don't understand the importance of matching the right leader with the with the correct lure. Right. Yeah.
2: And that's, you know, one of the things too to to keep in mind is that. We talk about a lot of different leader applications, especially for the smaller baits. And by no means do we expect you to sit out of the boat every time you're going to change your lure and put out another leader to match up with it. What you kind of want to do is game plan your day or your trip. And if you're going to be using these smaller baits, then you know have your rig pretty much ready to go. You obviously don't want to be stopping fishing to oh, I'm going to use this bait now. So I want to tie on a new later. leader. You're wasting your time, and odds are uh, your partner's probably going to be the one yelling to get the net while you're sitting down changing out your leader. So you, you want to game plan ahead of time when you're kind of going to know what you're going to be doing in different situations. That's key also. Um, the sprig leader is also great to use with your, the little baby phantoms. It really helps those baits as well as the uh, baby squircos. Uh, any of the little baits like that, even, uh, the little Suicks, it's a, it's a pretty versatile leader for small baits.
0: I guess that would be the other advantage to having multiple different combo- combos in your boat to kind of have them set up on what you're going to use for the day. Cause not every, you know, the same thing with rods is I know a lot of people are looking for one rod that throws everything, but when you throw these little baits, you don't want to necessarily run, a you know, a nine foot heavy rod. A lot of times most guys would recommend that you run like a seven, six to eight foot, medium, heavy, lighter tip, that kind of stuff on a lot of these smaller baits also.
2: And also your line, you're going to be running that smaller rod with the smaller bait, smaller leader. You know, if you're using your standard 80 or a hundred pound braid and trying to cast these things, uh, you're probably going to be working a lot harder to get them out there. So, uh, guys down South, we, we, based on what we sell, the 65 pound braid is real popular. And we even get some guys flirting with the 50 pound. I always warn people to be careful with it if you're going to go that light, but there's a lot of people using it and say they're having success with it too. So, uh, you want to lighten up that line as well.
0: So then John onto the next one would probably be like smaller bucktails. What type what type of leader do you suggest for that? I know a lot of guys aren't necessarily running bucktails in the spring, what some guys might be doing especially depending on water temperature. So assuming that they mm-hmm. are, what what's the best option for that?
2: You know, there's two different directions you can kind of go with that. There's the the light wire, basically, which is like a, a sprig leader, but it, it's a version of more of our twitch bait leader, which we'll talk about in a minute. It's uh, lighter wire with a small stay snap. And then it has the ball-bearing swivel on it to help with the uh, line twist for the, for the spinner baits. For, the, for any of the uh, or inline spinners or spinner baits, uh, you got the swivel on there to help prevent the line twist. You know, those are nice because if you're casting, again, you're casting those small baits, if you're trying to do that with a big 130-pound leader that's going to kind of catch up in the wind, and, and you're going to be, again, you're going to be working harder to chuck those baits out there. And I've had guys tell me that they think that the lighter shorter, smaller wire leaders, they think they get better vibration out of those out of the smaller bucktails with that. That's one option for the smaller blades, and then the other option is kinda kinda going the total opposite direction, and that's to use a weighted leader. And the biggest reason for the weighted leader comes into play with being able to cast them further, because they're so small and so light. As well, if, it, if you're in a situation where the fish are reacting to uh, speed, you could burn those small blades in with a weighted leader without the blades blowing out of the water.
0: So, John, to kind of help out your YouTube channel a little bit, you recently did a video on that, U- on that weighted leader. You want to talk a little bit about your channel and where guys can find that video?
2: Sure. It's on our Stealth Tackle YouTube channel. There's a video that I did at the last show with jeff Hanson, madison muskie guy who pretty much was pushing me to make those years ago and we had so much stuff going on it was one of those things i kept putting it on the back burner and he's like when are you going to make those weighted leaders well you know how jeff can be i know So, <laughs> and uh, so finally i was like all right we'll make the weighted leaders he goes i'm telling you he goes they're gonna put a lot more fish in the boat for people and we started making them and, and yeah i mean people love them and They come up and tell me all the time how they've made such a great difference. Just being able to get down a little bit further in the water column, how much it makes a difference. And
0: then last but not least, I would say, before we start talking a little bit about trolling options, how about um, small twitch baits? If you're twitching a small slammer, SS Shad, 22 Short, SS, 22 Short in general, those are just a few to name that, you know, off the top of my head, crane baits would all be fit in that category, Mm -hmm. big games. What type of leaders are most guys using for twitching?
2: Those are are basically, that's a short 124-pound, so we lighten up the wire from the spring leader, about the same length, but we go from 174 down to 124-pound wire, eliminate the swivel so that you don't have the weight of the swivel pulling the nose of that bait because a big part of, along with the action of those lures early in the year is also being able to get them the balance and just pause and hang time is important we eliminate that swivel so that the swivel isn't dictating the action of the lure and that downsize that stay lock snap on there so that's a leader that steve hiding helped me out with a few years ago he's kind of a twitch bait guru with those small twitch baits especially early in the season and uh, he's real particular about getting them to balance out, right? And when he came to me and said, Hey, I need a leader for that, I was like, oh, I got the perfect leader for you. And I sent him the spring leaders. And he's like, Yeah, no, that's not going to work. I'm like, What do you mean it's not going to work? It works with all small baits. Well, we started messing around with different legs, sizes, and everything else, and pretty much determined that just that, pretty much keeping everything about the same, but going down in size and wire made all the difference in the world with those baits. So it's a, it's a lighter leader that you probably have to change out more if you're catching a lot of fish on them, but it's going to, it's going to give those small twitch baits a much better presentation.
0: So a guy like me, I should be good for a couple years on that leader then, huh? Is that what you're telling me? M-
2: me too. Yeah.
0: Yes. Perfect. definitely. Brad, Kerry, you might want to change them out once in a while, but I'll be all right for a little right. while. <laughs> yeah. We'll be, we, we don't, we don't come through that, buddy. <laughs>
3: I push it too often. That's for sure. When it comes to to leaders and snaps and everything else, I, I shouldn't probably do it. I should probably change them quicker is what I guess I'm trying to say here. Yeah. I think we're probably yeah, all yeah,
2: guilty it, of that. Yeah. Even myself and, and, and I have everything here, you know, and, but again, you know, changing out your terminal tackle, it's so important because you think about all the money we invested in this stuff, and it really is the least expensive link between you and the fish. So why not take care of it? Make sure, try to get in the habit of before every trip, change that stuff out, change its snaps out, all that stuff. Just to, it'll just help help eliminate failure. You know, you're doing your part to everything you can to keep from having uh, any sort of a failure, equipment failure.
3: I know that we covered this one other time, John, earlier in our podcast career, which uh, mm-hmm. ha- the career really hasn't even been a year yet. I can't remember. When did we start, Jeff? May. Well, May. Okay, wow. well, we're, we're coming. We're knocking on the door of a year. But, like, with a stay lock snap, when do you recommend changing it?
2: Young. I change them out, or I recommend changing them out whenever they get really, really bright and shiny on the loop end where the lure is usually rubbing up against it. Or if you start feeling it getting a little bit spongy to where it's easier to open it and easier to close it, that means that the spring touch is going away on that wire and its days are probably numbered. So, yeah, the the snaps are kind of, they've kind of got a bad rap of late and the thing is you just you got to change them out they don't last forever and your leaders will outlast the snaps so the nice thing is if you're using the the stay lock snaps which we've tried a lot of different snaps they're the best quality ones on the market if you take care of them and you change them out which is easy to do you're going to eliminate you know having any failure down the road the guys that a lot of guys that wind up having trouble with them are guys that are. I don't want to use the word abuse, but put 'em out, leave 'em, and and don't think twice about it. So, um,
1: hey John, yeah, do you, do you see them fatigue faster or slower by the uh, like, say, a heavier bait versus a lighter bait? You're not a huge person into throwing rubber or heavy glide bait.
2: Yeah, if I was using those bigger baits, I would be changing them out more often because of the amount of stress, even if you're not putting fish in the boat, but you just have that extra added weight of those lures, like your big pounders or a lot of the big, heavy jerk baits that are out on the market nowadays that are getting more popular, I think they're going to put more stress on it. And even though you're using a bigger snap, probably on your leader with those style baits, that's still a lot of stress from casting, retrieving. I know none of us do it, but the occasional backlash, you know, things like that. So
1: Oh I do it all the time. Actually <laughs> I got a I got a picture yesterday. We were we were out testing a few baits of an uh Matt Siebert epic backlash. So <laughs> nice. he's a little rusty.
2: Yeah, yeah, it'll happen. But yeah, that puts a lot of stress on your equipment right there. Just have it a little, a little mistake like that, you know. And people, people don't really seem to realize it. I think we probably touched on it in the other podcast as well. But I finally kind of have a number that I could put. On these snaps, and you know, when when Rick Albers from Chaos bought the Shubshub baits, he water tests every single one of them. And he came and told me that he'll go out with a couple hundred baits. And as soon as he gets in the ballpark of about 175 to 200 openings and closings, those snaps will break. Whether he takes his time opening it up, whether he's switching fast, just that amount of opening and closings, they'll eventually, you know, they'll start feeling a little spudgy, and then they'll just break. So that's a good number to put on it, which, if you think about it for the average fisherman, that's a lot of bait changing.
0: So John, the last thing we should probably talk about for early season terminal tackle tips would be trolling options. You know, for guys that are going to be out doing some early season short line trolling or long line trolling, however, however they're going to go try to tack these fish. What are the best options for them to use for early season?
2: Well, my experience from base, and this is based on probably more what I sell to people and what I pick up from customers and talking to people, because I don't do a lot of, early season trolling but short line early season trolling with smaller baits seems to be one of the best ways that the guys are going about it i don't hear too many guys that are out running big spreads or, or long spread the short line with the smaller baits a lot of guys are using the like a, only a three foot leader some of these guys too i don't know if you guys are familiar with doing it up in Minnesota because your season opens up so late, Brad? I don't know, are you guys doing short line where basically you just have the leader out in the water and nothing else?
3: We've played with it, John, but honestly, we've never had a really good luck doing it.
2: Okay, yeah. Um, these guys out east are telling me they're just basically three, the, the three-foot leader and the rod tip basically buried in the water. That's all they all the line they have out. So it's basically the lure, three foot a liter, and the swivel is right up to the rod tip.
3: I've done that as well down in like Cave Run in, in Kentucky, and it, it's really wild. I mean, you go that three foot, then you go maybe at five feet, then you go seven feet or eight feet. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. amazing. But we've tried bringing that here to Minnesota. We've never had good luck with it. But uh, I didn't mean to interrupt there. Sorry.
2: No, no, not at all. Do you think that – well, that's the reason I was asking you. Do you think that's a water temperature thing where you guys – by the time you guys are starting, it's so much warmer probably than the guys doing it early in the year out east and down south?
3: There's good possibilities with that. But, you know, if you think about it, I know, like, the guys down on Cave Run, they're doing that all the way to the end of of, uh, May. So I don't know. You know, it's kind of a – I think it's one of those deals where if the fish fish are concentrated, like say on the edge of a weed line or something like that, it definitely seems to be a factor. I myself, I think, once the weeds start really getting tall, you start having troubles. I mean, you're cleaning rods just nonstop, which is part of the game. I don't know. I think our fish are buried a little bit deeper, if you will. Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, one of the things I know, regardless of that, with what they're doing out there, is they like the short leaders, just because everything is is so tight i mean a lot of them aren't even running boards they're running you know a down rod and a back rod i think kevin goldberg might have talked to you guys a little bit about that too when he was on early on last year
3: yeah how they
2: how they do that but anyway uh so they like the shorter leaders they're they're mostly most guys aren't buying anything more than than three foot and you basically have Two options. If if it's a bait that's kind of finicky, they like to go to the lighter fluorocarbon, like the eighty pound. If their bigger baits are a little bit heavy or, or or not a problem with the bait running, they'll use a standard hundred and thirty pound leader. And then another option that guys like that's becoming more popular with that style of fishing is the uh, stranded wire leaders, because again, with the short line out and with the wire being thinner. The, the baits could get down a little bit deeper. It cut, cuts through the water better than floral carbon
0: does. Well, I think that gets us started for guys in the south, don't you think, guys?
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, John always does a great job explaining everything that it comes down to when it comes to a leader. And I think that's one of the differences with John and stealth tackle. I mean, think about it. Having somebody that has the knowledge and can explain themselves, it's super, super important. So I always appreciate having John on.
0: Mm-hmm. Agreed.
3: That's yeah, nice. I get a lot of feedback too with the guys that
2: are, that we do have on pro staff where they're constantly, you know, you got to pick their brains. I mean, you guys know that you got to have good people giving you, giving you the feedback, especially when you can't get out and do it all the time when you're stuck in a shop. So it helps having good people out on the water running your stuff that, that can translate this stuff back and explain what they're doing and why they're doing it as well. So, and that just helps pass it along to the customers too.
3: Hands down, John.
0: All right. Well, hopefully we gave you a little bit of information. If you're just getting started in the south or if you're, you know, you can kind of refer back to this one too. If you're going to be getting out in the north in a couple, a couple of months or a month and a half or whatever it is. I know that southern Wisconsin gets out earliest out of like between, you know, all of Wisconsin and Minnesota. We get to get going, rolling in the south faster. So, John, thanks for coming out. If you could. Why don't you talk about what, how people can get in touch with you and learn more about your company and make sure you talk about that YouTube channel that you're starting up.
2: Yeah, we just kind of started it up this, uh, well, over the past couple uh, well, the past month, really. Um, we started up our Stealth Tackle YouTube channel and basically we want to just get information out to people about different leader applications. That's why we're doing it, just to get good information out there, just to help people help people put fish in the boat so you could. Uh, Get a hold of us through that. You can get a hold of us through our website, stealthtackle.net. You can call our our contact information. is all right there on our website. Or you can get a hold of us through Facebook, which I usually don't recommend because that's probably the last thing of the day that I check. It's uh, our Stealth Tackle Facebook page as well.
0: Brad and Kerry, how about Musky Mayhem Tackle?
3: Well, you can uh, check out
0: Musky Mayhem Tackle through muskymayhemtackle.com. Or
3: you can check us out on Instagram as well as Facebook.
0: And you're listening again to the Backlash Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and YouTube. Sometimes YouTube is up to date. Other times it's about an episode behind. I don't know who's in charge of that, but I'm going to have to talk to that guy and find out what's going on. The other thing you can do is you can find Stuff About Backlash Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram. We can also email us backlash podcast at gmail.com and for team Rhino Outdoors, if you want to check out everything that we have to offer in, you know, for musky catching gear and all the stuff that, I, that John talked about tonight is available there as well. You can find that at team You can also contact us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, We've been putting out regular content on YouTube, so if you haven't been there in a little while, because we were getting a little stale, go check it out. We got some new videos out there. We did a little bit of trolling with Jason Quintano recently, and we probably have—I'm well, guessing—six, seven, eight more episodes to go before we run out of content, which might work out fine because we're about six, seven, eight weeks to go before we're starting to fish again. So, anyways, we just want to thank everybody for coming out and uh, for coming out to the show, both John and I. I'm sure we all we all appreciate it. The next stop for all of us, I believe, is the Minnesota show in three weeks. Thanks again for listening to Backlash Podcast. We can't thank you all enough for listening. I know it means the world to all of us that you guys do actually listen, and it was great to get your feedback all show season long, and I know we're all looking forward to coming out to Minnesota. So thanks again for listening to Backlash Podcast.